Welcome to Eat, Drink, and Do Good, the monthly newsletter and now podcast from Studio Atau. I'm Jenny Dorsey, the studio's executive director. Every month, we bring you fresh op-eds from new and emerging writers from across the U.S., covering a variety of social justice topics that will encourage you to think a little more critically about the world around you. Each podcast episode features the writers themselves reading aloud their work, and we hope you'll learn as much from them as we did. Thank you for listening, and if you're enjoying this podcast, please also consider supporting us via Patreon at patreon.com slash studio that's studio A-T-A-O, or via one-time gift on our website at studiotau.org slash donate. I hope you love the op-ed today. Restaurants Shape Disordered Eating Culture by Annie Chang. My doctors have long said that one of the most important things for my well-being is structured eating. To plan my meals with a daily rhythm, eat slowly and conscientiously, aiming for a balanced nutritional plan. But in many of the restaurant kitchens I worked in, that was nearly impossible. In 2022, Salon published an article on the intersection of eating disorders and restaurant culture. Head chocolatier Morel Disher told reporters that she would work 12 to 16 hours a day without eating, did binge at the end of shifts. Mental health nonprofit Not 9 to 5 interviewed 673 hospitality professionals, and a whopping 63% reported experiencing symptoms of disordered eating, compared to only 9% of the general population. This culture is normalized across the industry. Chef memoirs, particularly those written by rock star male chefs, romanticize the idea of surviving on energy drinks, drugs, and cigarettes. The pressure to stay silent about eating-related struggles is reinforced by cultures of intensity and discipline. According to a 2015 study by the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, 17% of food service workers have been diagnosed with substance abuse disorders. Even Instagram meme accounts reinforce this darkly humorous ideas. Workers themselves often perpetuate this toxicity. I certainly did. Glancing over at my prep list, I tell myself I didn't have time to take a break. When managers insisted they didn't need to eat, the insinuation was that taking a break meant that you were less dedicated to your craft. All around me, people would roll in with morning coffee and no breakfast, say, I haven't eaten all day 20 times until the end of their shift, buy fast food on the way home. And I silently wished for more vegetables or maybe a place to properly sit down, felt like I wasn't tough enough to cut it as a cook. As I gained more confidence in my work, I started to more acutely notice how restaurant working conditions generate instability, which produces, exacerbates, and mirrors disordered eating symptoms. By taking a step back to see the bigger picture, I began to imagine a better future, starting but not ending with family meals to heal restaurant workers' relationship with food. If you haven't worked in food service before, the modern-day family meal emerged in the 1970s as a progressive step from old-school kitchen culture where no one sat down to eat. It was a set period of time when the entire restaurant staff pauses to eat a meal before the start of that day's service. It's become increasingly mainstream, but legally remains optional. Federal law still doesn't require employers to offer lunch, coffee breaks, or paid meal periods. Some states, like New York, however, require meal periods ranging from 20 to 45 minutes across shifts throughout the workday. I won't be the first nor the last to criticize the way that the notion of family can be weaponized against employees 
to create guilt around perceived commitment to our peers. Being there for family was to execute the vision of the head chef, no matter the cost. Through that lens, I've experienced my fair share of terrible family meals. A frozen lasagna, chicken tenders, and scraps left over from prep. But there are also places where family meal lived up to its goal, bringing together front and back of house for a nourishing break that powered everyone through the shift. One restaurant highlighted a spread of cultural tradition from the cooks every Friday, tasted my way through Yemeni Hanif, Australian pavlova, Chinese stuffed cabbage rolls. For establishments with daily changing menus, it was a chance to taste of the dishes to best share their own experiences. It could even be turned into an opportunity for a trailing cook to showcase their creativity and time management to the kitchen. So how can chefs and restaurant owners improve family meals and overall staff eating culture? The below ideas are inspired by a mix of articles and personal conversations with chefs, cooks, servers, runners, porters, and dishwashers. Reform workplace culture. The culture of eating changes from the top down. Younger and or newer employees tend to follow the lead of senior team members as they may not be in a position of power to make autonomous decisions. When management actively contributes to and participates in family meal, it's more comfortable for everyone else to enjoy their meal too. When leadership orders separate food just for themselves or does not participate, it undermines the connection of family meal. It's also best to avoid making meal time part of work time. Wait until everyone is finished eating to review the menu and service logistics or discuss inventory. Dedicate structural resources. Allocate permanent resources to family meal. In addition to scraps from service preparation, make in a budget to purchase family meal specific ingredients. One chef owner shared with me that she kept family meals interesting and affordable by informally bartering with nearby restaurants, grocery stores, and bodegas. Thoughtful management is key. Schedule enough staff to account for family meal prep and meal breaks for the whole staff. Rotating family meal responsibilities is beneficial as well, so no individual person feels overburdened to manage family alongside their prep list. Restaurant staff are incredibly diverse in ethnic and cultural backgrounds. For leadership overseeing family meal, notate staff eating restrictions, including vegetarian, vegan, halal, etc., and look beyond just separating ingredients to overall nutritional impact. Too often, I've seen my vegetarian or religiously restricted peers get stuck with carb-exclusive lunches. Changes like these disseminate throughout the entire restaurant culture. I know when I feel cared for as a cook, the food comes out better. When my peers and chefs put effort into family meal, it sated the pre-service jitters. Given time and great ingredients to prep something delicious, I reciprocated the family meal love. It's give and take. When workers are well-nourished, fairly compensated and respected, it pays back in dividends. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find all prior issues of Eat, Drink, and Do Good on Studio Tao's website at studiotao.org newsletter. I'm Emily Chen, the head of content at the studio. Every month, we'll be releasing a new newsletter and podcast with social justice analyses from new and emerging writers. Make sure to sign up for our mailing list and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to be the first to know on all new episodes. All of our contributors are paid for their time and work, so if you're able, please consider supporting us as a monthly donor via Patreon or via a one-time gift at studiotao.org donate. Thank you for listening.